0: And welcome to episode 115 of My Pocket Psych, the podcast all about the psychology of the workplace. I'm Dr. Richard McKinnon, chartered psychologist and coach, and I'm joined by my co host, Pilar Ortiz. Pilar, how are you doing today?
1: I am doing very well. We are recording on a Monday, which actually I was going to say is unusual, but it isn't. <laughs> but Monday morning. So, yeah, I'm good. How are you doing?
0: i'm I'm doing okay, yes, had a few days off um and uh, actually something interesting happened last week with the mm-hmm. with the days off thing. I've um sort of formalized my four day week working arrangement for the summer, and by that, I mean I just put it in my out of office saying, you know during summer, I work Monday to Thursday, so I'll come back to you as soon as I can on monday and um just after switching that on, I had some nice messages back from people, sort of you know um saying oh, that's a good idea, and it's a good idea to let people know. So, um, yeah, maybe we'll return to that topic in a future episode.
1: Yeah, and is this something you're thinking of doing only for the summer, or are you thinking of uh, continuing?
0: Or is we'll, it totally? we'll see. We'll see. see. <laughs>
1: nice. Yeah, yeah, um, great.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm, whenever I talk about the four-day week with people, um, I try and broaden the conversation to talk about what it enables people to do and the benefits yes. of that rather than how can you do your job job in four days. And and so far, I've noticed all those benefits I talk about. So, I may well continue. um, But at the same time, summer is attractive because you've got more daylight to do interesting things. When it's a dark, dreary, cold winter, maybe I'll find solace in my email inbox. I don't know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Love it. So, today, we're not talking about that. Sorry to derail you, by my curiosity. But we're... We're talking about something else that, of course, I know what it is, but I know very little about. So why don't you kick us off with explaining what it is?
0: So I'm framing this very much as just one approach to help us deal with the very common experience of information overload. You know, We just have simply too much information in our lives. So this is referred to as personal knowledge management, which sounds like a very formal phrase, but really it's... What do we do in order to stay on top of and make good use of the information that comes our way that's helpful uh, information or practical information? Um, I wanted to share a couple of, of quotes just to put this in context. And I'm, I'm a big fan of a book uh, by psychologist Tony Crab called Busy. I reference it a lot in my workshops. But to put this in context, he says, for information workers, the last 20 years have felt like drinking from a water fountain that's become a fire hose. As our tools for productivity improve, we produce more. As it becomes easier to communicate, we communicate more. Today, you will consume the equivalent of uh, 174 newspapers worth of content, which is five times as much as you would have done in 1986. This, this really underlines for me one of the downsides to our contemporary working life, which is it's just so easy for people to give us stuff. And we encounter new stuff basically from the moment we wake up until the moment we close our eyes, whether it's you know grabbing our phone to see the headlines or it's information that comes at us via screens as we're going to work. Or, and, of course, every conversation, every meeting, every document – Presents us with more information, and I think what I'm trying to do here is explain that there's a way of dealing with this information that, rather being, I don't know, a, a passive receptacle for it all, we could be people that actively engage with it, but but do it selectively. So, sort of mine the information for the gold that we want and then we dump the rest. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, and I'm nodding (laughs) for you and listeners. (laughs) That's
0: great podcast content.
1: (laughs) And I think as well, you're making me think about the discipline that we need, or at least that I need, uh, to navigate everything and and go from, okay, what am I really interested in? What do I want to pay attention to? What do I want to engage in? What do I want to say for later? And For me, the word, it's interesting because I would have never thought that I needed discipline to engage with other people's uh, content, thoughts, information, etc. But that's what's coming to mind.
0: I think that's a good word because many of us will be able to identify with the challenge of, I don't know, uh, subscribing to lots of newsletters and having great intention to read them. And never getting around to it and then feeling guilty that we haven't <laughs> actually, you know, not, a, not only have we not read them, but maybe we skimmed, we didn't understand, we didn't take anything away from it. So discipline, you know, points to being more intentional and deciding that this is something I'm going to do. I'm going to read this, but as I'll explain, not only that, but I'm going to try and identify what I can take from this. Because without that active uh, mining of what we we come across, then it's very unlikely that we'll remember or use it in future. And then, has that been a good use of our time? Just sitting there reading something? I'm going to argue no.
1: Well, I could, uh, I I would argue back that it 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 depends as long as we know. Because as you were talking, I was thinking. Maybe I need to know why I'm reading it. And actually, sometimes I just want to read something because it's, you know, because you just want to do that. But actually knowing whether you then want to do something with it then takes an extra step. (laughs) Too, as we the, see from you. <laughs> absolutely
0: this this is absolutely true, but if we're not, I suppose attending or focusing on what it is that we're reading, then we're not going to get the benefit from that as much as you yeah. know if we said, "Okay, here's some newsletters, I've saved them up, and we're just going to go through them now to see if there's anything worthwhile in there, and of course we can we can square the circle of um, dealing with overwhelm by realizing I keep reading this newsletter and I never find anything good in it, so I could unsubscribe yeah. and that would be one fewer thing landing in my inbox the point about um intentionality, I think, is, is is an important one. And um, you and I had an offline conversation um, just the other day about this notion of building a second brain, um, which was a training course and now a book by um, a thinker and author called Tiago Forte. And um, I'm working my way through the book at the moment. I'm finding it very, very interesting, and it's ticking a lot of boxes for me, as in, oh, yeah, that, I find that tough, or that's something I've come up against, and I just didn't have a name for it yeah. when it came to dealing with the mountains of stuff. And a couple of of quotes um, from the early chapters of his book I'd like to share. The the first one is this, I felt it, but now I know how to express it. Instantaneous access to the world's knowledge through the internet was supposed to educate and inform us, but instead it has created a society-wide poverty of attention. Now, I'm, I I don't fall into the, the gang that says, you know, no one has a, a span of attention anymore and it's ruining our capacity to focus. But I think what he's getting at here is because there's so much, we find it difficult to pause and consider what we're seeing because we're moving on to the next thing mm-hmm. and the next thing. And of course, all these things grabbing at our attention. And one thing that really resonated with me as I worked through this was the fact that when I try and manage information, one of my main goals is to cut down on the time I spent trying to find it? Because there's nothing more frustrating than knowing you have a paper about a topic that someone else could really benefit from. You go, I've no idea where that is. Or I know it's in this folder, but I can't remember the name of it or the author or, you know, things like this. So he points out that every bit of energy we spend straining to recall things is energy not spent doing the thinking that only humans can do, inventing new things crafting stories, recognizing patterns, following our intuition, collaborating with others, investigating new subjects, making plans, testing theories, and so on and so on. And really the point here is, could you create a system whereby the remembering is done and the finding is easy so that you can actually do something with what you've found, even if that doing is just simply making it available to other people in an accessible way? So that's really the sort of philosophy behind being more proactive, intentional, and I suppose yeah, disciplined when it comes to managing our knowledge.
1: And is this what you're referring to as the personal knowledge management? Exactly. <laughs> okay.
0: Intentionally combing through information that comes our way and then saving it selectively in a place, one place, for future reference, so that we know at least all of the stuff I think is gold is in this one place. And, and then we also think about our future selves coming back to this and, and knowing ourselves, what would future me search for? Or what are the, the terms I want to start using to describe this thing so that future me won't waste time and will know this is the word we use to describe this thing? So it's about being a little bit more considered.
1: Yeah, this, this is going to be very useful because I come across stuff that I want to read all the time. And uh, the same with you, uh, sometimes I'm like, what was that bit? So mm-hmm. so let's see, where do we mm-hmm. start?
0: <laughs> so if, if, you, if we think about it, it's, it, it's a, an act of engagement with the content rather than being a, a passive recipient of the content. So for example, we read with the intention of extracting information. And not only that, but then reducing it to key points reducing a paragraph to maybe, okay, this is the one line that really jumps out of there, or reframing it for ourselves to make sense of it. And then when we've kind of reduced it down to, yeah, this is what it really is about, making links across the content and between different sources of content. And that involves work for sure, but it enables us to better understand what it is that we're interacting with. So, making links between different concepts or data points or different perspectives and different arguments about the same thing. And for me, the big standout to actively engaging with the information means that we we avoid the trap that I fell into for many, many years, which is I'll just neatly file away all of this stuff and then when I need it, I'll go to one of these electronic filing cabinets. And if you can imagine that, it's like, an archive that is limitless in size but, but i don't have time to go through the archive to find all this stuff so instead what we're doing is we're creating a virtual network which is much more like the way our minds work these associative networks rather than neat boxes that are labeled that only that thing exists in that box and if you think about the kinds of things we're interested in it's people at work people's experience of work they're th- Thoughts, their feelings, their behavior, their careers. Well, you see, you could slice those pies in all kinds of different ways. And and if you say, well, this is the box marked careers. Yeah, but that involves people development. It involves thinking and feeling. It involves decisions. And so does this box marked stress. Uh, So what are we going to do? Duplicate everything or Can we make connections so that we can see that there's a hierarchy of ideas and that actually, if we look at careers through the lens of stress, maybe, um, wow, that that gives me another view on this whole topic.
1: So just going back to when we first engaged with with a piece, say it's an article, for example, um, is this something we're doing as we're reading? I mean, I, I know it will all depend, but but it, specifically for now, you talk about doing that as you're reading or once you've read it. What's how do you do it?
0: There's a two step process here, I think, which is as you're reading, going, "Ooh, that's an interesting point," or "That's a surprising or counterintuitive point," or just this this resonates with me. Or you know, I fundamentally disagree with at this point, mm. to 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 mark it up, to underline it or highlight it so it stands out from the content. And then having finished reading, let's imagine it's an article, say, okay, well, there's the title, there's the highlights. What are my conclusions? Mm. And and that that's the interrogating it bit. Instead of saying, Well, I've read it now, tick the box, I argue that's not complete. You've consumed it, but you need to make sense of it. Um, if you you want to do this at all and think critically about it so if we start with where does all the information come from i mean this would be my starting point where are all the places that information comes at me from and what could i do about those pipelines of information you know as as tony Crab describes the the um the, the, the water fountain that's now a fire hose. What are the fire hoses? So there's a number of them in our professional lives, you know, email, newsletters, just random browsing, recommendations from others, um, just ad hoc conversations. And of course, all the stuff that comes from meetings and projects. And then deciding on, well, where am I going to keep this? And I will often say that actually it's horses for courses whether you use an analog pen and paper or a digital method to get stuff done. But actually, I think this is one area where digital is much more helpful because enabling those links, enabling the building up of a network uh, is much easier when it's digital. Otherwise, imagine trying to get paper content to link and reference each other. There are ways of doing it, absolutely. But do you want to learn or do you want to run a library?
1: Yeah, and and from a I mean from a practical point of view, if you are a, a con- giving the context, for example, of someone like myself, Misert, <laughs> who where stuff is coming all the way through, and the one thing I'm bound to have with me. or or be accessible to is my phone. And so, because I can think that I have tried to capture things in a notebook, but I don't always have that notebook with me. So from that point of view also, I imagine that that makes sense.
0: And and that's a really good point because, you know, part of this whole idea about uh, interfacing and consuming and being intentional about what we do with knowledge, is that those, those thoughts that happen to us? when we're not consuming it, can be just as useful. Oh, yeah. You know, that moment where you think, actually, it's just occurred to me that... Dot, 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 that needs to go in there as well. So having some way of noting that thought and putting it somewhere is key to this. Otherwise we get that. Well, we all know that that frustration of, God, I was quite inspired this morning, but I've, (laughs) I've no idea now and only a few hours have passed. So that's where digital can be super helpful, whether it's just dictating a voice note into our phone or typing it in, but that goes in as well. And then it's linked to what we've already put in there. And, you know, we we could have that virtual pile of stuff. So we also need to be intentional about making time to sit with it and consume it. Um so that could be, you know, on the commute, it could be at the end of the working day. Um, and, and this is where it becomes really a personal activity. This has to find a place in your life. And if you are someone that has lots of responsibilities and roles and and things to get done, this might need to occupy a very small part in your life. But if you think of it this way, this could be supporting some of those roles and responsibilities, at least in the workplace, by allowing you to be a more considered consumer of the work information. And I would definitely underline this as something that ideally is happening within your working hours, you know, because this is a professional activity as much as anything else. So it's not a bolt-on. This is, you know, intentional work. So the reviewing the refamiliarizing the connecting this is all active engagement with it and then ongoing simplification ongoing linking and it's really interesting to to start spotting similarities across or even between fields these are similar ideas. Let me make a link between them. Or these two ideas within this concept are are really, really different. Isn't it interesting that there's such difference between them? Or these two things are a bit similar, but there is something above them, a higher order concept um, that I could join them with. Um, And of course, this isn't for its own sake. So what are the implications of knowing this for me as an individual? What can I do with this? Or now that I've made these links, what questions does it leave me with? And, and that, that's one activity I personally find really, really useful, especially going through academic content like journal articles. That's all very well. Your, your, your paper can't cover everything, obviously. So what do I now want to know based on the knowledge I've just acquired by processing, chewing this, um, playing it back to myself and identifying the few key points that I want to keep from it.
1: I'm thinking this is the bit I'm missing, (laughs) which is Mm -hmm. I collect, sometimes I even tag. I don't think I digest very well, to be honest, but this piece of, okay, especially with me, it's books. What have I been reading? I'm going to go for a week. What have I been reading this week? What are the important bits? What, is, uh, what are the other bits of information I've come across and everything that you're talking about. And I'm just, I'm trying to picture how this would look like for me. And I'm thinking that the first thing that this would do is uh, to be more disciplined in what I don't read <laughs> from then on. Mm-hmm. Because I collect and also I come across, because I am on things like LinkedIn and Twitter and I'm subscribed to some newsletters, I will click on something and go read later. mm mm-hmm. And what happens is, of course, that my read-later pile builds up and builds up, or my digest-later with books. I've highlighted lots of stuff, but I need to come back to that. So I'm just thinking that maybe in the process of setting a time to review and reviewing, I'm actually going to start reducing my input.
0: Mm -hmm. That sounds very practical. And also, making decisions like that can help Mm. us avoid some of that guilt that comes with, oh, I never got around to that. You know, where we were probably expecting too much of ourselves anyway. You know, that I have all these books and they haven't been read and that feels terrible. Well, be more choosy, be more selective. And you can be more selective once you've made firm decisions about what it is you have read. And that can lead you down a different path, maybe from everyone's reading this, or this is what people say you should read, to actually, no, I'm going to follow this particular line of inquiry. And then I don't have to worry about this stuff that I'm not actually reading. And I think this is is an important point here, which is we're talking in a kind of an old fashioned way about this reading documents but of course information can come in so many different forms now you know we're we're creating a podcast maybe someone listening to this episode might take away a nugget of information that's knowledge management too where do you put the nugget where do you put that one line Hopefully more, but that one line you found useful for you. So it's, it's podcasts, it's TV, it's YouTube videos, it's, it's movies, maybe, you know, um, inspiration can come from anywhere. So removing the friction between you having an idea and putting it in your safe place to link it. With other ideas and that's that's what's really important here because as i say no one wants to have this as their main job like they're running some kind of archive but in fact making it part of your life in 2022 with the tools that you have at your disposal
1: So I know that there's lots of um, tech out there and digital stuff to to capture, review, etc. Are you go? Is is now a good time to ask you to take us through how you do it, just as an example?
0: Just as an example, yeah no, yeah, no problem. Because there are lots and lots and lots of different ways that you can do this. And I think one of the key points when we think about managing my personal knowledge is what are the principles I want to bring to this, and and then can I find some systems and apps that will Help me do that. So let, let's um, think, for example, when I'm reading things, um, I collect the highlights from the books and the articles, um, and they go into an app system. I don't know. Readwise is what <laughs> it's called. And, and this is really, really neat because, it, for example, if I'm reading a book on my Kindle, everything I highlight in that book automatically goes into ReadWise. And then I can go into ReadWise and find each of those books and see what, see what I've highlighted, and then selectively take those and do something with them. Or, as I do now, take them and synchronize them with an app called Obsidian. Now, Obsidian is just a note-taking app, But there's a couple of things that are really nice about it. One, and I'm really delighted to be able to say this, it's free (laughs) (laughs) and it works very simply. It's future-proof. It just simply gathers a series of text notes um, that are stored on a folder locally on your computer so privacy is important here as well. Um, but it provides you with a very nice front end to see how they might link. And it gives you a, a graph or a network to see how the concepts and the documents and the ideas all link. And it does all of that for you. All you need to do is type. right? So it keeps it really nice and simple. And um, what that allows you to do, is then allows me to do, is look at that and say, there's a gap I'm looking at this graph, and there's a big gap, or there's an outlying node on this network. Why isn't it connected to anything? What have I written here? You can set it so that each day it shows you a random note to remind you of something or get you thinking about it. Um, and of course, anything you've put in there is in plain text, so you can copy it and put it into something else. So um, I've I've not been using this one for very long. I've used other notes apps, but it, this is great for writing new content. I write it for. Um, our online community, Work Life Site Club, I write it for blogging, Um, I write it for documents I'm creating for my clients, because it's all in one place. And it's a great way of bringing together those direct quotes, but also how I'm expressing the ideas to myself. And, And that's a big difference, I think, between highlighting a load of stuff and putting it in one place versus looking at those highlights, maybe rewriting some of that stuff so it makes more sense to you, and then actively seeing how does it link to these other things, these ideas I'm fond of, these ideas I'm trying to understand. And um, that bringing it all together means that just because it's text notes, it's so searchable. So so searchable, mm. so that 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 pain point of I know I have something about this topic is just a few um, keystrokes away. So that, that's what I do on the the reading front.
1: Uh, I've got a technical question. Mm. Uh, before that, I have a, a general comment, which is I love that the the point you're making about taking your own thoughts from it. So it's not just about highlighting and quotes. It's about capturing your sense of it. But the technical question is with Obsidian, do you tag your highlights? How does it know what to connect with what?
0: So... There are a few different ways you could do this. You could, it, it, the graph will pull together the tags. You know, If you'd put in a little hashtag and the word yeah. stress or hashtag values, um, the, the network graph it shows you can be based on that. But you can also, and this is where it gets very magical, mm-hmm. link notes by simply typing in the name of a note that you think relates to this. And as soon as you do that, it creates a hyperlink as if you're on the web. Okay. And then when you look at the graph, they're now linked by a line. And mm-hmm. all you do is just use the square brackets on your keyboard. I'm going I'm to put a link in the show notes to an introductory video yes. about it because it's a very visual experience. <laughs> it's not, not good podcast material. But my main um, thought about this is lots and lots of apps out there become work in themselves. So this removes any sense of, I need to learn how to use this. You can make it super complex eventually, but in the beginning, you're just typing your thoughts and then linking them and tagging them and sense-making from that. And the future-proof elements, the fact it's just text files and the fact that it's on, it's local, it's on your hard drive, that no one else can get at this, I think is is really important as well. Now, it works well with syncing uh, solutions as well. So you could put your folder, where all these things are going to be. You could put it on a solution like iCloud or Dropbox, and then you can access it from from any computer. You still need to be able to log in to get to it, but it, it, you know, then you can have your stuff on your phone and your iPad and, and all the rest of it. But it's just, at the back end, it's just a folder of individual text files. And I love that because the fear is often, well, I've spent years putting information into this app, but now I can't get it out. And what if they go bust? Or what if I find Mm. a better solution? So there's no risk of that with this. The other way that um, I'm, and I've been doing this for quite some time, actually, which is to write a daily note. And what I do is as I'm going through my day, um, I I have a template and there might be two or three, you must do these things today, Richard. (laughs) So keep looking at this note. Then some um, thoughts and things that I'm learning and things that I'm realizing as I go through the day. So that by the end of the day, I might have the equivalent of maybe just an A4 page worth of bullet points. But you can Take that approach in this app, Obsidian, and have a daily note. And then you just click on the calendar uh, within the app, and it brings you back to that day in time and shows you what you did on that day. What did you type in on that day? And for some of us, knowing what something is is very closely related to when was that? I know rough I know the month. So I can find it by going back to that month and seeing what was I thinking about. And of course you can link the daily notes to any other note that's in there. So it might be one of my reflections might be, you know, I started reading this book, link to the book. I'm finding it very interesting because, but also it, it doesn't take account of cultural differences, hashtag culture. You know, something like that. You're doing it as you're going along. The idea is not the accumulation of information but information that is well curated and it's gone through your mind already and what what you're left with then is something that's usable
1: And a question I have, uh, nothing to do with the tech, but you said with your daily notes that you have a template. So is that prompts for you or Mm -hmm. headings? So yeah, what's that? I'm sure that people are interested in that. So so
0: that's another thing that you can do in um, Obsidian. You could do it in lots of these. Um, you, You use the Markdown writing language, which is a really, really, really simple coding language. Uh, So for example, if you want to do a um, header, you'd use the hashtag leave a space and it will make the text very big. And if you want a second order header, smaller, it's two hashtags than a space. So you can set up a template that says, every time I do a daily note, I want to see this. So I'll have a space for what's on my mind this morning. I'll have a space for my priorities for the day. Um, I have a space for what did I learn from today. Uh, I have a space for my log, which is kind of like, what happened today? Mm -hmm. And maybe they're just, you know, met so-and-so, spoke to so-and-so. And and then I have a space um, at the bottom for gratitude, um, which is a daily practice. And whether I do it in that app or another app or just have a good old think about it, I I do have that at the end of my day. And so each of those daily notes will be tagged with keywords from within that day. Uh, This sounds like a lot of work. I'm conscious of that. But actually, if you have this note open all day, and you're just dropping thoughts into it, it's no work compared to trying to remember this six weeks later.
1: It's no, not much more work than finding the post-it notes and scribbling on a post-it at some exactly. point. It just becomes, the eyes yeah, what you're used to. Yeah,
0: exactly. So I wanted to record an episode about this just because um, I'm very immersed in it at the moment. It's front of mind for me, and this is very much an introduction to it. I want to signpost resources out there but i think this is a very merit meritocratic thing Uh, the bar to entry is low the tools can be free if you wish you don't have to pay for lots of this stuff and it means that you can start to do stuff with it so a, a key point um with this is well what will i do with this knowledge something that holds us back from taking helpful action in creation can be i don't know enough and that, that might be true. I don't know enough about this subject to write a blog post about it, or I, I don't know about this subject to, uh, or arrange a meetup to discuss it. But you know what, after a little while, the knowledge bit is no longer the challenge. And so it, it lowers that barrier to, well. well, actually, I have more than enough information on this very specific topic to share my thoughts with my colleagues write a blog post, do a podcast, whatever it might be. And I love that aspect of it. It's not about being an expert in everything, but being able to gather the things that are important to you, interpret them, and then share them with people around the world. So very much in introduction. Um, I anticipate we've got lots of questions on this, and I'd love to hear from our listeners if this resonates with you, or you just think my God, Richard, this is such faff. I don't have time for this. I'd love to hear all <laughs> of the responses. Um, you can send us a message on Twitter at MyPocketPsych, or you can send us an email, podcast at worklifepsych.com. I'd love to hear all your thoughts and questions. And I'll, I'll drop a few um, beginner's uh, guides and and such into the show notes. So if you are interested, you can go and spend a happy few hours on YouTube seeing what people do with it. Pilar, as uh, you, you know, you started with, I've got questions. Was I was I <laughs> able to answer your questions?
1: Yes, you were. And I'm going to see if I can apply at least the digesting bit. I'm not going to go. And uh, maybe in a few episodes, I can come back and report.
0: Fantastic. Look forward to that. And yeah, if there is enough interest, if there are many questions, um, we can always come back to this topic in the future. But for now, everyone, thank you for listening. Thanks for downloading this episode of My Pocket Psych. To get in touch with questions and feedback, you can tweet us at Psych or leave us a message on the contact form at www.worklifepsych.com contact. Thanks for listening.